Good morning, everybody. So I don't have any chocolates for you. Will you still pay attention? Listen, you came early and got cake. So that doesn't mean you can snooze now. It's not, it's not Sunday afternoon yet. I know some of you have got some nice lunch plans and uh, going to celebrate with family and friends today. But it's so good to be together and uh, just what a privilege to worship together. Um, at, at a few moments this morning, both in the first service and this last service, it's almost, I've, I keep looking around to see where are the extra singers. just feels like there's this wall of sound, and, and um, I've always so appreciated that about our church, that we can sing, and we can lift our voices and hopefully lift the roof from time to time, and so it is a privilege to be able to worship God and to, uh, and to make a joyful noise. Well, we are here today on probably the most important day in the Christian calendar. More important than Christmas, even more important to a degree, but almost equal to that of Good Friday. But today, today we as Christians around the world get to declare again, He is risen. He is risen. And and you know, friends, if it were not for the resurrection of Jesus... I don't know why you would be here. Why would you be here? If it weren't for the resurrection of Jesus, there wouldn't be Christianity. If it weren't for the resurrection of Jesus, there wouldn't be church. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, we're here today. You're not here because the weather's not that great and you might have preferred to be at the beach. You're not here today because... Somebody had a good idea for those of us who who believe in God that it's a good idea to get together and kind of just feel good about ourselves. We're here today, as we are every Sunday, because Jesus has risen from the dead. Because Jesus has risen. You know, Christianity is not a religion based on how good you can be in order to get God to accept you. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about putting your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus. What was the finished work of Jesus? Well, Jesus said he was going to write a check with his life for you and for me. All of us who put up our hands, and even those of you who didn't, by not putting up your hands meant that you should have put up your hands. Right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus says he's going to write a check with his life. And that check gets delivered on Good Friday when he dies, a brutal death. But you know what's amazing about today is that we're reminded that the check cleared. The check cleared, and God has risen. Jesus is alive, risen from the grave. So I want to look at the resurrection this morning, and I won't be too long, but it is important because that's what this day is all about. And so if we look at Luke's gospel... Chapter 24, verses 1 to 12, it reads like this. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed, Their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. That's an odd thing to say, right? It seemed like it was an idle tale. They thought that Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, were just spinning a story. Do you know how significant that little line is? It's super significant because this was a time when women weren't even able to be witnesses in court. It was a time, and it's not advocating that. It's just how it was back then. They couldn't even testify in court. They couldn't, they couldn't be a good witness. And so some people would say, well, if you were making up a story, the last thing you want to do is put in there that at this particular time, women were the first people to speak of the resurrection of Jesus. And the only reason you would do that is if it was true. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. One of the most fascinating things that you see when you read that passage, uh, you might even miss it, is as you're reading it, you realize nobody was expecting Jesus to rise. They weren't expecting it. They didn't think he was going to rise. They'd maybe heard him speak of something like that. Maybe they thought it was going to be some weird experience, but they didn't expect Jesus to be alive and in the flesh. They weren't all gathered. All of his disciples weren't all gathered around on Easter Sunday going, all right, are you ready? Ten. Nine, eight. They didn't have t-shirts printed saying, he's risen. In fact, if anything, they were scared out of their wits. They had scattered. They ran. They were afraid for their lives. But then this event happens. The tomb is empty. Jesus was dead and now he's alive and it changes everything. All of a sudden, these ragtag bunch of people who are about to launch the church into the world all of a sudden, their message is not about the moral example of Jesus. It's about the risen Jesus. If you come to Christianity because Jesus is a great moral teacher, you're missing a big point. The church was launched on the resurrection of Jesus. At this moment, the entire message changed. It didn't hinge on the moral example of Jesus even. Those are important things. His teachings and his example are important. But the main hinge on which Christianity rests, is the fact that Jesus was, now, was dead and is now alive. It changed everything, and they couldn't shut up about it. The fact that he was dead and now is alive. And if you read on in verse 36 to 43, it says, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. They thought they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you, why do you doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands. See my feet. That it is I myself. Touch me. See me. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. They could have given him something nicer than a piece of broiled fish, you know. But anyway, and he took it and he ate it before them. I think it's quite funny, actually. These disciples, they think they see a ghost. And Jesus is like, can a brother get something to eat? 
Let me show you. I'm not just a ghost in front of you. This whole resurrection thing's made him a bit hungry. Now, obviously, it's not so much about the hunger of Jesus. It's more about Jesus saying, I'm here. I'm here. You can touch me. You can hug me. It's really me, risen from the dead. I'm not a ghost. They, they would have been freaked out. They would have been thinking, it looks like Jesus. It sounds like Jesus, but maybe it's a ghost. And Jesus is like, give me some, something to eat. Let me show you. It's really me. And this is so important for us today, friends, because ultimately, and I'll say it again and again, if it were not for the resurrection of Jesus, really, really, you should go to the beach. Honestly, you have got better things to do. But because Jesus rose from the dead, that's why we're here today. That's why we're here today. And there's an attempt in the modern world to, you know, in a pop, sort of a popular modern narrative to somehow blur the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. And some people would say, well, maybe back then it, you know, it was a different culture. It was pre-scientific. And people could make up a whole lot of things. You make up a whole lot of things and anybody would believe it. You know, and even today you've got the whole Da Vinci Code, you know, the whole sort of conspiracy. But to say that Jesus has risen from the dead is just as controversial 2,000 years ago as it is today. We are not the first generation of smart people to observe that when a person is dead, they generally stay dead. It's just as controversial now as it was back then, friends. This wasn't like a regular phenomenon. Oh, did you hear Jack? He rose from the dead the other day. Oh, my brother did that. It was as controversial. It didn't happen. If you were dead, you stayed dead. The fact of the matter is, resurrection was not an optional extra for those early church starters as kind of an optional message. They didn't face the world and the Roman Empire with a message of, hey guys, we, we'd like to tell you about our late friend Jesus who's got some great teachings for you. The church didn't start on that. Friends, you know that at this particular time, there were many messianic movements that started. Many messianic movements that started. And, and somebody would say, I've got a way to bring you freedom and so on. And then they'd also kill him. And you know what happened to those movements? They just died out. They just died out. Why did Christianity not die out? Because the resurrection was not an op optional extra in the foundation of the early church. Now, regardless of what you may or may not believe about the resurrection, without that message, the church would not have been launched. It just doesn't. And friends, you've got to know something. Whether you follow Christ or not, the majority of the air you breathe in the modern world today is Christian air. If I can put it like that. What I simply mean is, yeah, there's this fascinating guy, his name's Tom Holland, not the Spider-Man actor. He's a historian, really good historian. And, and I've been watching his journey. It looks like he's almost about to become a Christian, but he's not sure. And anyway, he, he wrote this great book called Dominion. And what he did was, is he thought, you know what? I am who I am today, and I'd like to go back into history and to see what cultures have formed me to be this person today. So he goes back, and his assumption is that the Roman and Greek culture are the cultures that are going to have the most substance to his life now. He discovers very, very quickly that the Roman and the Greek cultures were barbaric. They were nothing like what you see today. They disregarded women. 
They, in, infanticide was a regular practice, killing children. It was barbaric. And he realized the more and more he looked at history, the real, he realized the, the more and more he looked, he realized that the air he was breathing was Christian. He was living as a Christian. He just hadn't put his faith in Christ yet. It's fascinating to watch his journey. It's a very big book. I haven't finished it yet. I think I'm going to get the audio version. I might get through it quicker. <laughs> the church doesn't start this culture that we're living in today. The, everything from human rights to the way governments work to the way women are treated to the way children are treated. So many of the things that we take for granted today find their origination in the church. And the church does not start without the resurrection of Jesus. They back then, as we do today, believed it all hinged on this. This is the one hope that has held human beings together across continents and cultures for 2,000 years in the face of some of the most horrific moments in history, from poverty to disease to pain and war, famine, and even death itself. Now, some might take it a little bit further and say, okay, okay, okay. Maybe it was more that Jesus in his resurrection was more like a metaphor, Probably what happened was is the disciples were sitting around. Jesus was dead. He was in the tomb. And they were thinking, this is, this is heartbreaking. We've just spent these years with Jesus. And, and, and you know what? Remember what he taught us? And, and remember when he did that? And, and in that moment, they all of a sudden started to feel like, oh, he's here with us. We can sense his spirit here with us. And so the thought is, is that maybe that's how it emerged, that actually the resurrection of Jesus was more just a metaphor, a symbol. The problem is, is that Scripture goes on in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. In other words, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, stop being a Christian. It's a waste of time. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead. goes on in, in verse 17. It says, And if, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you're still in your sins. You've not been forgiven if he didn't rise from the dead. And then, of course, there's the main problem. That something happened that galvanized those Christ followers 2,000 years ago. So much so that the church was launched and they faced far greater persecution than what they ever dreamed. There's this funny comical video I saw yesterday of these guys, basic, they're Christian guys who say, okay, this is actually what it would look like if the disciples got together and made up the story. And so there's these guys acting as disciples and they say, okay, guys, it's sad, Jesus is, is dead, he's in the tomb, but I've got a great idea. Let's just go and move the stone, let's steal the body, and then let's start the church. And then we also can be crucified, hung upside down, be lit as Roman candles. And they go, yeah, that sounds great. And John in the corner is going, whoa, oh, am I missing something? That doesn't sound that great to me. But it's a great plan. We can start the church and we can all go down in flames. No, no, guys, you're missing the point. Eventually they say to John, John, it's okay. You're going to land up on an island anyway, <laughs> which he does. But it's ridiculous when you see how, what it would look like if they actually created a lie. Nobody dies for a lie. 
This group of disciples did not go on to establish the early church and face huge opposition and persecution based on the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead metaphorically. They did not become the first community that existed that included Jew and Greek and rich and poor, slave, free, male and female based on the idea of a metaphorical resurrection. It just wouldn't have happened. They didn't sacrifice positions of power and influence based on a symbol. They did not break down cultural and ethnic barriers based on a metaphorical resurrection. They did not go to their death in the thousands. Friends, it's one of the things that changed the Roman empires. They could not understand how these Christians were going to their death with a smile on their face because of the hope they had in Christ. They wouldn't have done that, believing that they too would one day metaphorically rise from the dead. This, this really hit home for us as a family recently. We went away as a family over the last week to the Berg. And many of you know, Tom lost Margaret a year and a half ago. Bron lost her mom. And we've been waiting for a moment, a moment to take her ashes up to the Berg. And we found this great moment. We looked at the weather, found out which day was going to be sunny and we went up early in the morning when the sun was rising and we all prayed and we shared memories of Margaret and then we scattered her ashes. And you know, it was sad. Of course it was sad. Anybody who says it's not sad when you lose a loved one, they must go and get a life. It's sad. It hurts. But there was also a joy. There's also a joy. Because we weren't doing that thinking, oh, one day we might metaphorically rise and see Margaret again. No, we know that our hope. You see, Jesus was the first fruits. In other words, Jesus rose from the dead, and he shows what's going to happen to us. You've heard me say it before. Heaven's not going to be us as like spiritual balls of light in heaven eating grapes on clouds. No, we're rising. We're, this is not the only life we have. We're going to hug and hold and love, and we're going to see Margaret again. And you're going to see the loved ones that you've lost who've put their faith and their trust in Jesus. They believed that Jesus died and that he was now alive. And when you and I believe that, when we put our faith in that, it changes everything for us. It changes everything. When it sits deep in your heart, Easter has a profound effect on you. Easter means at least two things. One is your worth is established. Do you know the idea of religion is this idea that Mankind is desperate to try and bridge the gap between what is undeniable. So what's undeniable? Well, we're here. We got born into this world. We have eye sockets and nostrils, and we can breathe and think, and, and we can build, and we can create, and there's forests, and there's landscape, and all of that. We, we're here. It's undeniable. You can touch and feel it. But it's, what's unexplainable? How did we get here? What's the plan behind all that? What's the meaning of life? Most religions are trying to bridge that gap. And you know one of the main threads of that gap? Is that most people want to build a bridge in that gap because they're desperate for love. You're desperate for love. Not love that you can get from a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girl. Definitely not from a boyfriend or a girlfriend. <laughs> Not the, not the epitome of love that we see in Hollywood romantic comedies, which is not love anyway. But we're desperate for a love that is transcendent, that is unconditional. 
and through the cross and the resurrection, do you know that your worth is established? Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know how important that is? As a pastor, I meet loads of people all the time. I said, oh, I'll come to your church sometime, but I've got to get cleaned up first. How do you clean up first? <laughs> yeah, they don't know you, Dave. They just come hang out with you. They'll know, hey, hey, <laughs> you're on the wrong. No, friends, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. He didn't wait for you to get good. He didn't wait for you to clean up your life. He died for you whilst you had your fist raised to him, saying, I don't want you, God. I'm my own God. I'm my own king. In that place, he died for you. Your worth is established when you understand his death and his resurrection. Your past is forgiven. Easter is a reminder that you're not defined by your past. That your sin doesn't make you second class. And this is a challenge for many of us. We get so wrapped up in our past because of that thing we did. Because of that thing we said, whatever it was, puts a stain on our hearts. And even though we know that God forgives us, we still hold on to it. I love this analogy, and I don't know if I'll get it right, but somebody was showing a picture of the world. And you know the Bible says that God throws our sin as far as the east is from the west. You know that if you're in the north and you carry on going down, you get to south, right? And if you carry on south, you get to north. You know, from east to west, if you go as far as the east is from, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. As far as the east is from the west, it just keeps going. That's how far he's removed your sin from you. Grace is not just something that we need at the point of our salvation. And what I mean by that is, is that when you realize God has done this for me, and it's a free gift for me, I'm going to put my faith and my trust in Christ and by His grace I'm going to be saved. It's not just at that moment when you need grace. You need grace every single day. I need grace every single day. Because even when Dawn asked, how many of you do wrong things? Every single one of our hands went up. Most of our hands went up. Our hands went up. Not because we did bad things, but because we still, we still stumble. Except now as a Christ follower, at least I'm stumbling forward. At least I'm stumbling forward and I'm standing back up and God's grace is there for me. And it's not that I say, okay, well, I can just keep doing it. No, God's grace gives me strength to, to rise up above it. I need God's grace every single day. As I kind of land this morning, you know, every religion has a prophet that points to God. There's God over there. Jesus is the only one who says, I am God and I'm coming to find you. I want that to sink into your heart. Every religion has a prophet that says, there's God over there. Let me show you the eight steps to get to him. Jesus is the only one who says, I am God, and I'm coming to find you. I'm coming to you. There are potentially two kinds of people here today. Many of you have committed your life to Christ. You put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And then maybe some of you fall into another place where you're ambivalent. You're kind of like... I'm still asking questions of God. I'm not sure. Maybe you're trying to answer this question between what's undeniable and what's unexplainable. 
to both kinds of people here today. Maybe as a reminder to many of you, but maybe to some who are hearing it for the first time. Easter is an event in history. It's not a teaching of Jesus. Easter speaks about something that happened. Even secular historians will tell you Jesus died. They may be up for grabs as to whether he rose again, but they will look at the evidence and they'll say, well, it certainly seems like that's plausible looking at everything that happened around his resurrection. And some of us want to get onto a good enough program. I want to be good enough for God. I need to do more good than bad. The Bible teaches us that it's not good people who go to heaven. The Bible teaches us that forgiven people go to heaven. Maybe there's some of you not on a good enough plan, but you're on a comparison plan. Well, at least I know I'm, I'm okay, you know. And you might be saying in your mind a little bit like, well, I know I'm not perfect. We're all pretty, like that's a South Africanism, right? We're, all, we, we're marginally humble. <laughs> yeah, we can, mm. I, know I'm, like, I know I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not as bad as them. You know, at least I'm not as bad as them. And we're hoping that one day if we're standing in the queue and God's up front and we're hoping we're going to be accepted, we're just hoping that there's some rough and tough biker in front of us who just looks dodgy because at least then we'll look good, you know. We're on the curve. Is it okay? We heard already from dawn out of the Scriptures, Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've read that scripture so many times and I've, it just washes over me sometimes and I just, I was reminded again reading it that God doesn't give wages. You don't earn anything from God. God gives gifts. He doesn't give you a wage. Well done, my, my son. He has a wage. He gives you a gift. It's a gift. And his gift is a love that your soul longs for. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to close with this last song. And God is not waiting for you to somehow earn his love. God is pursuing you with his love. This event, now known as Easter all around the world. And by the way, we're not one of those churches that... Uh, that get hung up with the word Easter or Christmas. We've got better things to do, friends. I don't really care about the Easter bunny, you know, or the Christmas tree. The reality is, is that on these dates in the calendar, whether you try and water them down or not, they tell a truth. They speak of the fact that Christ was born on Good Friday, he died, and on the third day, he rose again. And whether you want to make it about Easter bunnies and Christmas trees, you're free to celebrate, but under it all, everybody knows what it's all about. Everybody knows what it's all about. God pursuing us. I think we all know that somehow if we are able to earn love or if we're able to buy love, it's not really the love we're looking for. If you're able to earn it or buy it, it's not really the love you're looking for. Jesus was dead, and now he's alive. He is risen.